Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 92 Uniform Today's episode was prompted by a thread I saw on Twitter. A medical student complaining that despite being smartly dressed, they had been chastised for wearing Converse shoes. There was a wide range of responses to the tweet, from, what does it matter? Surely the only thing that's important about being a doctor is being knowledgeable, polite, kind. The other range of responses were, this is uniform policy. If you want to be a doctor, put up and shut up. This is what it involves. Throughout my career, uniforms, and perhaps more importantly, uniform policy, feature as quite a divisive issue and also have evolved considerably since I qualified. Today, I've decided to delve into this a little deeper. When I was a medical student, it was very clear that uniforms were something people took pride in. The nurses on the ward were smartly dressed. There were bright green uniforms for the state enrolled nurses and blue for the state registered nurses. Both nurses had phenomenal hats, balanced on impeccable hairdos, white starchy aprons and belts with beautiful buckles. There was certainly a pride in the uniform itself. We as medical students had white coats. I remember the excitement when this was supplied by the sewing room. We were given two each. We were very proud to sport them. And at that time, all the grades of medical staff wore white coats too. It's true that ours were probably an incredible infection hazard. I say white coat, but actually they were grubby in the extreme. Imagine students. They don't wash their clothes that often. And we had pockets overflowing, stuffed with the pieces of equipment that we needed to get by. And usually the Oxford Handbook of Medicine, an invaluable little textbook that would shove in a pocket. So we'd have tourniquets, ophthalmoscopes, stethoscopes, and sometimes even a tendon hammer swinging, making our pockets and the flaps of our coat a lethal weapon. In comparison, the consultants wore white 
gleaming coats, proudly buttoned, sometimes with a flower in the buttonhole. And certainly those pockets were empty. That white coat was status. Somewhere along the line, this white coat was shed. I'm not even sure where I lost it. I think it was during my senior house officer roles. Certainly in paediatrics, it was deemed far too scary to wear a white coat. It would frighten the children. Instead, we wore animal-shaped name badges. And to carry all our gear, we had bum bags strapped round our waists. But when I came out of paediatrics and became a registrar, certainly the white coat was no more. And it wasn't just that it was no more for me, it was no more for anyone. I didn't see anyone wearing a white coat. Not in my department, not in the hospital. It seemed like they had disappeared. At the time, I took that as a sign that I was more grown up. Sounds crazy now, I know. But that I'd kind of increased in status because I'd shed the white coat of my studenthood. And I no longer needed those bulging pockets of crib sheets and pieces of equipment in quite the same way. It is indeed true that some aspects of uniform display hierarchy or distinct roles. Yet every NHS hospital seems to have different ones. At my trust, midwives have gone through in my time from a lilac polo shirt through to an aubergine top and now a pink scrub style top. Each uniform was voted for and selected by the midwives at the time. But then as staff evolved, people quickly became unhappy with the choice and voted and chose something different. My first experience of this was watching them rebel and choose the aubergine style top. They loved it. They felt it looked professional, far more so than the polo shirt. But then some people found it uncomfortable. Others felt it made them look like they were working in a spa. And then the death knell. Sainsbury's uniform. They chose something incredibly similar. As well as the midwife's uniforms, other uniforms change. We've had student midwives in short blue and white stripy tops and now pale purple ones. We have a myriad of colours. Midwifery support workers wear pale blue. Nurses wear blue. The sister in charge wears navy with white piping. And our matrons wear red with white piping. Our director of midwifery, on the rare occasions she sports a uniform, it's navy with red piping. There's a similar hierarchy on the main hospital wards too. This isn't just in maternity. I've seen on social media some hospitals producing charts explaining to patients what all the different uniforms mean. But it changes so frequently it can be hard to keep up. 
And I can't help but wonder, does it matter to patients what our roles are? All they want is someone who's caring, who can help. And if their specific request is not within your role, well, it's your responsibility to get someone who can do it. Surely it shouldn't be up to the patient to have to try and ask the right person all the time. They're not in their comfort zone. They're in a different environment. They're feeling unwell. Equally, it's not quite as straightforward as different midwives of different grades wearing different colours. Some midwives don't wear a uniform. Our home birth midwives don't. And some of the matrons and sisters don't either, despite the fact that they're working clinically. So that's a little odd. On the labour ward, we have scrubs. And yet the midwives can be told off for wearing scrubs unless they're going to theatre. I know why some of them choose to wear scrubs. Scrubs are provided for us and at the end of the day they go in the laundry bin. They're laundered for us. Whereas uniforms, midwives are given three uniforms when they start work and then they're expected to launder them themselves. Their only protection, if they're wearing their uniform and they're assisting at a birth, is a flimsy plastic apron. Would you like to take home clothes at the end of the day, covered in someone else's bodily fluids or worse, and put it in your washing machine, perhaps alongside clothes from your family? And what about us doctors? We don't have a uniform. So what is and isn't acceptable? On the labour ward, I wear scrubs. They're provided, although there's often a need to raid the mains changing room when supplies in the ladies' changing room become very low. I can sometimes get through two or three pairs of scrubs in a day. If they get covered in blood or amniotic fluid, I've got to change before I go and see the next woman I'm caring for. During covid All sorts of random scrubs appeared as the wearing became far more widespread. Our colleagues on the medical wards started wearing them too, not just those in surgical specialties. We were very grateful to the people that sewed the scrubs for us. But some of the material was heavy, thicker than what we're used to, and therefore uncomfortably hot. Some of my colleagues due to the lack of scrubs or concerns about scrubs that just didn't fit properly and weren't comfortable, purchased their own scrubs with their role or even their name embroidered on the front. Very snazzy and somewhat American style. And I know they got this idea from some other areas of the trust such as A&E, where consultants routinely have their own scrubs, as well as some other trusts. But often when one takes a small initiative like this, 
one can find that you're ticked off. For example, my cloth scrub hat that has my name on it. At points I've been told, off and on, that I shouldn't wear it. I should wear a disposable cap. Often the reason cited is infection control. And once or twice I've even queried this with our infection control team who've said, nope, absolutely nothing to do with us. It's the uniform policy. The same could be said of lanyards. We went through a phase where it was important to have your name badge pinned to your pocket. You were not supposed to wear a lanyard, have it dangling round your neck. Then we've gone through a phase where lanyards seem to be somewhat of a fashion statement. Some people have arrived from other trusts with their roles clearly printed on the lanyard, such as midwife, doctor. Others have bought NHS rainbow lanyards to provide support and be a clear indication of supporting LGBTQ patients and making them feel welcome and understood. Their idea of a lanyard swinging around, getting in the way, seems to have disappeared again. And what about nail varnish? I was amused recently to see on social media someone post a photo of their beautifully done nails as an indication that they were on holiday. This is something I could definitely empathise with, as I'm sure could many NHS workers. One of my holiday treats is painting my nails. Yes. No nail varnish or manicures for us, NHS workers. Again, it's the infection control versus uniform argument that is given. And yes, as a woman, in my 50s, I have been told off on the extremely rare occasion that I dared to wear my nail varnish to work and flout the policy, even for a single day. In preparation for today, I thought I'd better explore this uniform policy and I found the NHS 2020 uniform policy, which makes interesting reading. The uniform policy gives three aims. And yes, I know this policy is national policy and is locally adapted, but still the principles are going to be the same. So let's think about them. The first aim, patient safety. No one's going to argue with that. The second aim, public confidence. Also, Equally important. The third aim, and this one really surprised me, staff comfort. It has never occurred to me at any point in my many-year career that part of the uniform policy was for my comfort. And I imagine there are many NHS workers that would be surprised to hear this. If one scans through the uniform policy, there are some obvious, common sense, good practice points. For example, 
Scrubs have short sleeves. Bare below the elbow with your wristwatch off is commonly held to be good practice. It ensures that you can perform your hand hygiene safely and appropriately and therefore minimise the risk of infection. And bear in mind, this is something we think about all the time. COVID has been an additional factor, but we have always hand hygiene to think about. But if you look at the uniform policy, a lot of the rationale for the uniform policy is about public confidence. It's not about science. It's not about prevention of infection. It is about giving our patients confidence in us as care providers. A lot of the reasons are given as patients prefer blah, blah, blah. Including the fact that people's perception of the standard of care they receive can be affected by the appearance of people providing that care. And a clear example that they give is that there is no evidence of infection if staff wear their uniforms outside work, but there is a public perception that this is a bad thing to do and increases the risk of infection. And for that reason, staff are encouraged to change out of their uniform at work. Sadly for me, short, unvarnished fingernails appears to be one of the few elements of the uniform that does seem to have some evidence behind it for infection. In the document cites HHTF, the recommendations from the Healthcare Infection Control Practices Advisory Committee and Hand Hygiene Task Force, 2002, 20 years ago, interesting, but it doesn't give the data on that. So maybe we need an update. Maybe we don't. Maybe it's very compelling data. I'll have to look into that. And what about those shoes, those Converse that we were talking about right back at the beginning? Interestingly, good practice, common sense. These are examples of good practice which need no evidence base. They simply serve the three objectives of patient safety, public confidence and staff comfort. Wear soft soled shoes closed over the foot and toes. Why? Closed shoes offer protection from spills and dropped objects. Open shoes risk injury or contamination for staff. Soft soles reduce noise in wards. So one could argue that the wearing of Converse shoes actually is the uniform policy. Certainly, I know colleagues at work who wear trainers for the same sort of reason. They're comfortable. They're quiet. There are certain members of staff that wear hard sole shoes. I can hear them coming up the ward. I can recognise them from their footsteps. 
but we don't call them out because they're smart, professional-looking shoes. So now for my zesty bit. Let's be clear about the main purpose of uniform. Let's not hide behind pseudoscience. It seems that the main purpose of uniform is public confidence. Yes, patient safety is within some elements of it, but a lot of it is portraying the sort of healthcare worker a patient would like to see. So when you're getting dressed, whether or not you're wearing a uniform, think about what would you like your care provider to look like? But I do agree with the people that said on social media in response to that medical student, the most important thing is how you behave, not how you look. If you behave with empathy, kindness, caring and listening, that is what is critical. But as a member of your organisation, you do also need to put on some sort of professional front. But as long as we are clean and tidy in our appearance, does it really matter what we wear? Are we just baffling people and making up rules for us to police that are not our priority? If you're managing staff, remember staff comfort. It is a critical component of the NHS uniform policy. How much time do we spend thinking about that? And if you're a patient in the NHS or a family using maternity services, what do you think? Does it bother you what people wear? Would you prefer your midwife to be in her own clothes? Does it put you more at ease? Or do you like the professionalism? of a uniform. When is the last time we asked you your opinions about what we wear? Perhaps you could feed into your MVP your thoughts about what is or isn't relevant in terms of uniform. And if you're not clear all the roles of the staff within your unit and their different uniforms, Would you like to be? Would it be helpful if you had a chart explaining things? Or actually, is it really not necessary? I do hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of The Obs Pod. Feel free to contact me on Twitter at FWMaternity or at The Obs Pod to ask me questions, give me topics for future episodes or let me know what you think. It's absolutely fantastic when you get in touch. I really enjoy reading your comments. As usual, I've tried to include in the programme notes some extra reading about this particular topic, both for professionals working in maternity care 
and for pregnant women using services. I'd like to reassure you that although I'm talking about my experiences working in maternity care, I take confidentiality very seriously and do not give any personal information about any of my patients. If you've enjoyed listening, I'd love you to recommend the OBSPOD to friends or colleagues and please do leave me a review on whichever podcast directory you find my episodes. Many thanks for listening.